This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Let's get it, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Now time for a Tuesday edition of Odds on Sports right here on The Fan, presented by our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of WFAN. And, yeah, we're feeling pretty good. After Monday Night Football treated us well, it was under for the hapless Bears offense and the Minnesota Vikings. We nailed the side with Minnesota covering the three. Had to sweat it out a little bit when Cordero Patterson takes a kick return to the house, kicking off the second half. But I've said it for a while now, and it's worth repeating. Chicago was probably the most fraudulent 5-1 and one team you're ever going to see. I'm just upset about the fact that I haven't been fading the Bears week after week after week. I might have missed an opportunity or two. Thankfully, we were all over that on Monday night. And we'll start looking ahead to week 11 before you know it. Um, With all the craziness going on right now in the NBA, and the rumors are just flying hot and heavy, whether it's Russell Westbrook maybe going to our nation's capital for John Wall, whether it's the Boston Celtics now trying to get involved in the James Horton race, they look to move Kemba Walker, they look to move Gordon Hayward, they're trying to creatively think of some ideas to maybe free up some cap space. I thought it'd be a decent time to go look at the odds to win the 2020-2021 NBA title right here and right now. Because I wanted to see if the odds that I would have put together in my head would equate to what we have right now before the draft and before the offseason really get going. Lakers are the favorites. You understand why. Reigning NBA champs. They're plus 300 to win the title. But I think the odds makers have done a really good job in adjusting the total in the Eastern Conference immediately and adjusting the total to win the title immediately because guess who currently presides in that number two spot? The Brooklyn Nets with Kevin Durant, with Kyrie Irving, and maybe, just maybe, James Harden coming to town. The Nets right now are ahead of Milwaukee. They are ahead of Boston. They're ahead of the Clippers. They're ahead of the Warriors. They are number two, according to the odds makers, to go and win the title. The team I'm looking at immediately on this list that I might look to hop on ASAP, the Golden State Warriors, who are going to have the triple threat, the big three, the Splash Brothers reunited in Curry and Thompson. They have Draymond Green. Remember, they have a top pick. 
in tomorrow night's NBA draft. And we'll have to wait and see if Golden State is going to use that pick to go get themselves a player. Or are they going to use that pick to maybe trade it off and get a veteran asset that can help a win-now team right out of the gate? But I see 7-1 with the Warriors. I mean, that is a pretty juicy number if you ask me. Very, very juicy number. Clippers at plus 650 is all right, but I am so sour on what I saw from the Clippers last year in losing that series to the Denver Nuggets. I don't think, personally, I will be able to go and do that again. Nah, I'm not getting in the bed with the Clippers after what they did to me last year. I'll pass. I will pass. So you got all that going on with the NBA. We'll get into some of the draft props tomorrow. And it's such a weird, uncertain NBA draft for a couple of different reasons. Number one, COVID. Number two, the fact that there was no NCAA tournament. It didn't allow you to have the breakout store or two that normally kind of rises as the tournament goes on. And I could think of guys in the past who have maybe moved their way into the lottery because they've had great NCAA tournament runs. Dante DiVincenzo of Villanova is one of those guys. Uh, Malachi Richardson at Syracuse is another one of those guys. There are probably like two or three players a year that see their draft stock enhanced because of the tournament. Not having that, not having a Zion or a John Moran or even a Barrett kind of makes this draft even more of a crapshoot than it normally is. So from a draft prop perspective, the odds are going to indicate as such. Like last year, you probably couldn't even find a play on Zion to be the number one pick. Might have had a lay like 10,000. Moran and Barrett, two or three, you might have been able to find that. Bet Morant last year, and I don't remember the odds off the top of my head. I bet Morant was probably a minus 190, 210 favorite to go second overall. Maybe even a little more than that. Might do a little research on that as the night goes on. But we'll dive into those draft props tomorrow. I have a couple of ideas on that. And I'm also going to get into some of these odds now to win the divisions in the NFL. I love looking at this on like Tuesday and Wednesday. They usually pull these odds Sunday, Monday, and they kind of refresh them week after week after week. How about the current odds in the NFC East? And I know, I came on the air the other night, even after the Giants beat the Philadelphia Eagles and said, not necessarily sipping the Kool-Aid, not necessarily buying in at least for now on a notion that the Giants are going to go and win this division. Well, I think the odds makers have disagreed with me a little bit. Because Philadelphia, as of last week, was like minus 375 to win the division. 350 to win the division. You had to lay heavy, heavy juice with a team that's been in the playoffs the last couple of years. Now you look. I got the up-to-the-minute, up-to-date odds, thanks to our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook. Philadelphia is only minus 150 right now to win the division. Which, by the way, I think is a good bet, and I think it is a good buy-low opportunity. That might be something I get involved with. Minus 150 with the Eagles. Because everybody's going to be soured after what they saw with the New York Giants and their game Sunday. Giants might have missed the boat on them to win the division. They were at 6-1 last week. They were at 3-1 Monday morning. They're now plus 240. Washington at plus 600. Dallas at plus 750. Remember when we gave out the Steelers at plus 250? To win the AFC North. Remember we hopped on 
the Steelers at plus 250 to win the AFC North? Well, guess what the Pittsburgh Steelers are right now? They are minus 1,200 to win the division. We got some good value with that one. Ah, that puts a smile on my face. Baltimore currently is at plus 500. Cleveland is at plus 2,000. The undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers keep rolling. And even if they slip up a game or two, they have enough of a cushion that they still should be in pretty good shape to win this division. And, you know, our buddy Harry from the Against All Odds podcast joined us last week. He's on the Dolphins at plus 600 to win the AFC East. I think we might have missed the boat on that one too. Because Buffalo is now down to minus 300 to win this division. Miami at plus 210. So that odd and that line kind of indicates Vegas more and more and more starting to buy in, starting to believe in the Miami Dolphins. We got a lot to get to here in this quick edition of Odds On Sports, of course, presented by our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook. Your calls at 877-337-6666. And we'll talk some NBA futures odds. We'll talk some NFL division odds. Jared Smith over at Sports Grid in the morning after. will join us next. Welcome back to Odds on Sports, presented by our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook. And to give us some help on some NBA futures odds and maybe to see the future into some of these NFL odds with the divisions, we welcome in one of our Football Friday regulars. He's an absolute rock star. Sports grid, morning after. Good buddy of mine, the great Jared Smith. Smitty, what's shaking, brother? How you doing, man? JJ, I can see it now. It's opening night in the NBA. The Nets are taking on the Knicks at the Garden, and the Nets are going to roll out Harden and Kyrie and KD, and the Knicks are going to roll out Julius Randle and Maurice Harkless and Taj Gibson and Alfred Payton. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Yeah, sounds about right. And I think the odds makers, let's be honest here, Smitty, have already taken into account that this Harden trade could go down, right? Like, I'm looking at the odds to win the 2021 NBA title. Lakers plus 300. I'm seeing Brooklyn at plus 350. Was that going to be the line if these trade rumors even weren't a thing? Well, the Eastern Conference odds are even more severe, JJ. I mean, the Bucks and the Nets are basically neck and neck right now on FanDuel. So you're, you're talking about a book. You're talking about, you know, the odds makers are really giving a lot of credence to the Nets being that team. And it's kind of sight unseen because we have no idea. And do you think Kyrie's liking this right now? All the hardened talk. All of a sudden, he's going to go from first on this team to maybe the third option. So I'm not ready to just crown the Nets. Even if they get James Harden, even if all three of these guys are in tow, I'm not ready to crown the Nets as the de facto champion of the Eastern Conference just yet. You got to play the game. You got to go out there and win in the postseason. None of these guys, with the exception of KD, he had a much better team around them too in Golden State, has been able to get to the top of the mountain just yet. So I'm not crowning anybody, even if the Nets do land the big prize. Jared, obviously a lot's going to happen over the next few weeks. Free agency, trades, draft coming up tomorrow. But there's one total that jumps off the page at me immediately. The Golden State Warriors, I'm seeing it 7-1 to win the NBA title. With Curry mm. coming back, with Thompson coming back, Green obviously can do all the dirty work and the little things. They're going to get better. Uh, what am I missing here? Warriors to win the title at 7-1? I feel like I got to hop on that. Yeah, and I think that's a number that if Golden State comes out, because again, a lot of uncertainty there too. Where, you know, how's Clay going to come back? How is Draymond going to look? Is Steph going to still have that buzz that he had pre-injury? 
you know, that number, if all the ducks are in a row, that number gets chopped in half by, let's say, the all-star break. Because you, all they have to do is prove that they can play at a high level. They don't even have to go out and win every game. They just have to show that they still have the moxie. My guess is it's going to take some time with Golden State for them to find a new rhythm. It's basically a brand-new team. We haven't seen them play in almost 18 months. So I think that number has a lot of room to grow but I still want to see it. Again, the NBA is so volatile. Every week, it just seems like there's another team that's going to reach up and, and grab one of these big stars. I, I don't know what, how the dust is going to settle just yet. I think it's a little early to be betting these because we don't know what the finished product is going to be. But once the season starts and you start seeing Clay and, and Steph go out there and do their thing, absolutely, I think that's a number uh, with, some, with some CLV potential, closing line value. Smitty, turn our attention to the NFL. Going back to Sunday, Monday, even Thursday, um, is there a grand takeaway for you, what you saw in Week 10? I think the quarterback play in the NFL is as good as it's ever been, J.J. And, you know, you got a guy down there in Miami that's doing a pretty good job, and I think he's only going to keep getting Hey, Jared, better. I don't hear anybody complaining about Ryan Fitzpatrick getting benched. Remember when no, that was a thing no. a couple weeks ago? I don't hear and, anybody bellyaching about that anymore. And it's funny because I, I watch all these analytical sh- – I, re- I read all this analytics, uh, you know, every week, and every time I see something about a new quarterback – they're always very hesitant to grade the Dolphins or grade any new quarterback up to their potential. They always kind of shade to the under a little bit when they're grading these new quarterbacks. And that tells me that there's so much room for growth because if a guy like Tua comes in, guns a-blazing, he shouldn't be shaded downwards. He should be almost given a positive handicap you know, towards where his development could be. So that means that there's just so much potential with these guys, Herbert and Kyler and these guys that are coming in, and even Joe Burrow, who struggled a little bit this season, but the team has been so bad. J.J., the quarterback play in this league is outstanding, and it also makes you question some of those third, fourth-year quarterbacks, i.e., I don't know, Sam Darnold, Lamar Jackson, that haven't taken that gigantic step forward. You question, hey, if these guys in their rookie and sophomore years are doing it, why can't the juniors and seniors do it? Totally fair. Quarterback play in the league has been terrific. Now let's get to a couple of these odds to win divisions. Smitty, I feel like I missed the boat on the Dolphins, bro. They were a plus mm. 600 to win the division like a week ago, two weeks ago. Now with Buffalo losing that Hail Mary game, Miami on a five-game winning streak. Buffalo only a three-to-one favorite to win the division. Did I miss the boat on the Dolphins? Sure seems like it, dude. Yeah, and, you know, the good news is, though, the, the schedule is definitely soft for the next three weeks. Broncos, Jets, Bengals, and the Broncos, you're getting some good news with the Broncos quarterback situation this week. You might not have to face Sam Darnold. You're going to face a Bengals team with Joe Burrow at home, so it'll be rookie versus rookie. And then you get the meat of that schedule last four weeks. Chiefs, Pats, at the Raiders, at the Bills. So my guess is if you want to play the number, you play it now, you might still get a little bit of you know that CLV that we talk about. But absolutely, you missed the big bullish move with Miami. I, I think the time to buy them was after that Niners game. And, you know, they, they really showed you that they can go on the road and beat a good football team. And, and then, you know, Tua comes in a couple weeks later and kind of cements the deal. But, yeah, I mean, the Miami Dolphins. I, 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 JJ, JJ, I've been saying it for the last three weeks. I think they're a playoff team. And I think they're a team that can win a game in the playoffs too. Smitty, I hope so. Now, I did nail the fact that the Steelers were the team to buy on in the AFC North. And I got them, Smitty, a couple weeks before that Ravens-Steeler game at like plus 240, 250 to win the division. Mm. Now I'm looking now. Steelers are minus 1,200 to win the division. You know what that line tells me? Division is over. 100%. And I think Baltimore's game on Sunday night sealed it. 
there's just too much. Now, granted, th- th- there could be a glimmer of hope if Baltimore can find a way to win next Thursday, but that's a long shot, and you should not play that this week because I, I don't see a world where Pittsburgh loses to Jacksonville, and I could absolutely see a world where Baltimore loses to Tennessee. So you might even have a chance to wait another week and get even a bigger number next Thursday night. Uh, but I, I don't see any scenario where, where Baltimore you know, overcomes that kind of a deficit. Pittsburgh has been the dominant defense all season. They, they, they have certainly proven that they should be the champions of that division. And Baltimore's got a lot of work to do. They've got a lot of injuries on the offensive line, tight end, defensive line. The Ravens need those trench guys to be good for their team to be good. They're a front-running team. It's like a horse race, J.J. They don't like to come from the back. They're a front-running team, and they're coming from the back. I don't like that spot for Baltimore at all. Okay, Smitty. NFC East. I know there are a lot of Giant fans listening Mm. to this show right now, and I have to admit, I have been dismissive of their chances of winning this division. I now have to be open to the possibility of it after what we saw on Sunday. But, Smitty, I don't know about you. I'm seeing the Eagles now at minus 150 to win the NFC East. I don't think there's a better time now to buy on Philadelphia. I agree. And I think the best time to buy the Giants was last week when they were 10 to 1 because they were plus 150 to beat the Eagles and they were 10 to 1 to win the division. So you buy that number at 10 to 1 instead of playing the plus 150. Now you can come back and you can buy the Eagles at what, minus 160? And you got yourself a nice little middle there where it doesn't matter, Philly or New York, you're going to find yourself on the plus side. The Giants' schedule toughens up. They get the Bengals next week after the bye, but then it's Seattle, Arizona, Baltimore down the stretch. I mean, you're talking about some really tough games. I will say this. Daniel Jones, back-to-back weeks, as you said, no turnovers, playing a little bit better. Maybe he's the best quarterback in this division right now, but I still think the Eagles, top to bottom, are the most talented team defensively. The weapons are starting to gel a little bit. I really like what I saw from the Jeremy Macklin uh, wannabe there and Jalen Rieger. He could be a star if he stays healthy. Alshon Jeffrey's back. They've got some guys on the outside that can play. I think the Giants are still the JV in this division. I think Philly still has the edge, but it's a lot tighter than we thought. All right, Smitty, final one. If there is a line that immediately caught your eye, I don't need you to give me a pick yet. It's Tuesday. But when you were going through the lines, as you're looking through week 11, Was there one particular line that kind of stood out to you? I've got two. I'll give you two quick ones. The Pats at Houston. Houston's rush defense is terrible. I think we're going to see a ton uh, of New England running game, and and that running game is very good with Newton and Burkhead and Harris, and they certainly have the horses to do that, laying a very short number on the road in Houston. And also, this this Chiefs-Raiders line, Kansas City off the bye, and in a revenge spot. It's like the narrative perfection, the dream narrative. You get Andy Reid off the bye. Well, and Jared, did you read the story that came out about the Raiders doing the lap around Arrowhead Stadium after winning that game a few weeks back? Guarantee you that's easy bulletin board material for Mahomes reading company. Uh, And and Mahomes is petty. I've heard he, he keeps track of the teams that passed on him in the draft. And, and the, you know, that Jets game, that's why I thought they were going to cover that big number against the Jets because the Jets were one of those teams that took Jamal Adams in that trap. And Kansas City obviously has a very uh, – there's not a lot of teams that have beaten them in the last two seasons. So uh, they certainly remember those types of games. That was a high-octane game. I think it was 40-32. to 32. Vegas really dropped the big number on Kansas City. My guess is the Chiefs' defense plays a little more inspired, and you're not stopping Patrick Mahomes. So I, that's the game that I'm really circling this week. Jared Smith, morning after over at Sports Grid. He joins us each and every football Friday on the fan, and he made his odds on sports debut and, of course, knocked it out of the park. Smitty, always a pleasure. 
We'll chat Friday. We'll have a better idea of what we like and what we're going to avoid. So I know you'll be in the lab uh, stewing, my brother. I can't wait. <laughs> the mad scientist. I'm going to go back to work right now. I'm not going to sleep for the next three days till we get to Friday, brother. Oh, of course you are. Of course you are. All right, Smitty. Take care, dude. Have a good one. That's Jared Smith over at SportsGrid. A couple of interesting nuggets there as far as the division lines. A whole lot to get to there. And that giant total. Wow. It's come down quite a bit over the last two weeks. All right, let's head to Oakland and Kyler. What's up, Kyler? What's going on, JJ? Kyler, what up, dude? How we doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing well. What's up? All right. Uh, I wanted to talk about that game last night. I've never seen a more disappointing Monday night game. I mean, Kyle, are you surprised? Yeah, Kirk Cousins would never won on Monday night. You had a bear offense that is god-awful. I mean, I hope you listen to me, and I actually hope that you went with the Minnesota Vikings. Normally, I never advise taking Kirk Cousins in these sort of spots, but the Bears have just been so bad on offense, you got to look to fade them any which way you can. Oh, yeah. No, I had Minnesota minus three. Not a boy. Proud of you for that. Good job. I just I was so disappointed with that game. I was hoping there would be at least some scoring from Minnesota, from Chicago. There was just nothing. Kyler, you sound like you guys are a little bitter. You have the over last night? I did. Ah, there we go. See, Kyler, listen, I appreciate the honesty, bro, and I appreciate the call. I had a feeling something was a little fishy there. Wanna see a little more offense. Wanna see a few more points. Ooh. Played over 44 and a half. He went contrarian on that overplay. I'll give him that. Not one that I necessarily liked, but he went contrarian. Let's hit him in Manhattan and Mike. What's happening, Mike? Hey, what's up, JJ? Mike, what up, buddy? How we doing? Good, brother. Um, all right, I got a couple of college football questions for you. Let's hear um, You see any value in Kyle Trask plus 250 for the Heisman of Florida? Um, That's an interesting name. Uh, he's had a great year. It's going to require him to have like a monumental win or two. That means he's going to have to surpass a guy like Fields. It means he's going to have to surpass the Jones at Alabama. Uh, Lawrence, even though he's missed a couple weeks with COVID, he could still be in the mix. Uh, I feel like at 250, a lot of that value is gone. You know what I mean? Like, can he win the Heisman? Yes. But to me, Mike, I would have liked those odds a heck of a lot more if I could have got them at like 10, 20, or 30 to 1 like I could have maybe about a month ago. Yeah, I know. I saw before like the, uh, the opening game against Ole Miss, he was at like 3,300 or something crazy like that. See, and anytime that value comes down that much, I am always like hesitant, man. It's like, for example, it's like the Dolphins in the division. I wish I hopped on plus 600. Even though I don't think they're going to win the division – now I see plus two hundred. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not getting plus two hundred when I could have had six hundred a week ago. Hell with that. I missed the boat. Yeah, yeah. And then um, my second question is, what do you think that Michigan's going to do with Jim Harbaugh? You think he's gone up? Mike, appreciate the call. I think it's a distinct possibility. And the amazing thing about Harbaugh leaving, I don't think it's going to be Harbaugh's call. It might be the university's call. They've been an out-and-out embarrassment. That game against Wisconsin on Saturday, anybody associated with that program should be ashamed. Jim Harbaugh was one of the bright stars of coaching as of like four years ago. 
with the Niners, with Stanford, going to Michigan. It's been an out-and-out nightmare ever since. This was Odds On Sports right here on The Fan, of course, presented by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook at WFAN. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 